Thank you for listening to Desert Spring United Methodist Sunday Sermon. We're glad you found us and that you chose to be part of our church. Online listeners, you are a significant part of our church community, and we're grateful you're with us. We hope you enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. If you would like to engage with our staff, we can be found on Facebook, Vimeo, and Instagram. Or call us at 702-256-5933. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. It was Passover. People were flooding into the holy city of Jerusalem for the celebration. Jesus was there with his disciples. And Jesus arranged for he and his disciples to celebrate the Passover in a home in the old part of the city where there was a room big enough to accommodate all of them. Jesus sent a couple of his disciples ahead of the rest in order to make certain that everything was prepared for the Passover celebration so that when everybody else arrived, the party could begin. Upon Arriving, one of the first things that folks would see when they walked in toward the room would be a basin of water and a towel, a place to wash their feet. It was the custom of the day that when you would arrive as a guest, you would take off your sandals. And the host would have provided a servant to wash your feet. Or if the host could not, could not afford a servant, then you would simply wash your own feet, therefore not taking the dirt and the smells of life into the meal. Well, the disciples began to arrive for the Passover celebration. They kicked off their sandals, but they did not stop and wash their feet. Why? Why wouldn't they have stopped and washed their feet? Now, the scriptures don't tell us why. They don't say a word about why, although I kind of wonder, I can imagine, if, if I stop to wash my feet, it would be just like Jesus to tell me that I now need to wash my brother's feet, and I don't want to touch my brother's feet. I mean, I can imagine why, I don't know if that's why, but I can imagine it, and so they simply kick their sandals off, and they enter into the room, prepared for the meal. Now, when they enter into the room, they see the table. And the table is about 18 inches off of the floor. It's a very low table. There's no chairs around the table because it's too low for chairs. Instead, there's pillows around the table on which the guests would sit. They would lounge on the pillows with their feet kind of behind them. And there they would share the meal. The table was called a triclinium. A table that was kind of had a center table and then perpendicular two tables on the side. And Dennis, if you could pull up that picture, it's actually under the sermon part, but pull up the picture of a triclinium. There we go. So this is what it would have looked like. And if you look closely, you can see a seat that says Jesus. That's the the seat for the head of the household or for the host of the party. The second seat in on the left is the seat for the head of the family or the host of the party. The host 
would assign the seats to everybody else. And there's enough detail told in the story of the Last Supper for us to know where three of the disciples were seated. John tells us that he, the beloved, was seated at the right hand of Jesus in one of the seats of honor. Jesus tells us that the one who will betray him is the one he sops bread with, meaning the one on his left, two seats of honor, the one on the right hand, the one on the left hand of the host or the head of the household, John and Judas in the seats of honor. We also hear that Simon Peter is all the way around the table on the other side in the seat reserved for the servant. Jesus placing Jesus in the servant's seat gives a powerful witness to everybody gathered that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be a servant of others. Now, evidently, this was a lesson that the rest of the disciples needed to learn after having not washed their feet. And Jesus made certain that they learned it. Because he quickly got up, he went over to the entrance, he grabbed the basin and the towel, and then he walked behind the table in order to wash the feet of his disciples. One at a time, he washed their feet. And this must have been confusing for the disciples, and it may have been humiliating for the disciples why their leader, their master, would bow down before them to wash their feet. By the time Jesus gets to the end of the table, the last seat where Peter can be found, Peter refuses to allow Jesus to wash his feet. Jesus tells him this is how it must be, and so Peter relinquishes and Jesus washes his feet. And right at the very beginning of the celebration of this Passover meal, Jesus' last supper, we hear of an important theme that runs throughout the whole dinner party. How disciples of Jesus serve one another. How the last will be first and the first last. And if you want to be great, you are to be a servant. Let's pause and listen to the reading of Scripture. Marianne, will you read for us? The Scripture lesson today is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. This is the word of God 
for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Marion. The dinner party. In a few minutes, you're going to be invited to come to celebrate the sacrament of communion. You don't have to be a member to receive it. Everybody's welcome. You're welcome to come. You're invited to come. And don't worry if you don't fully understand what it's about, because none of us fully understand what it's about. And you don't have to worry about maybe getting something a little bit wrong. I mean, we're all trying to get it right, but the reality is that we're still kind of practicing this. Practice makes perfect, we hear, and we still have reason to keep practicing. The disciples in the gospel account of the story of the Last Supper, they had a lot of reason to keep practicing. They were struggling to understand what communion was really about. Jesus tried to help them understand by washing their feet. He tried to help them understand by placing Peter, the rock, the one on whom Jesus would build the church, placing him in the servant's seat. He's trying to help them understand. But they were struggling. And so as the meal unfolded, there came a point in time where the disciples began to argue with one another. And do you remember what they argued about? They argued about who among them was the greatest. It's kind of like arguing over who should have the seats of honor, who should be at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. They were arguing over who among them was the greatest. They didn't understand that Peter had the best seat in the house, that servant's seat. They didn't understand that if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant, that the last will be first. They were struggling to understand this. Yeah, they didn't get it. But we can understand why. Because as we live out our lives, well, it's pretty easy for us to find ourselves playing the who's the greatest among us game. I mean, not, we don't do that here. Not here, we... We get along really well here. But when you think about the story of, of Jesus' Last Supper, Jesus does not serve the disciples' communion when they are at their best behavior. Quite the contrary, he serves them communion when they are at their worst. When they're arguing with one another and a short time later deny knowing him and betray him, he doesn't serve it to them when they're at their best. He serves it to them when they are not at their best. And we, we come together to celebrate the sacrament. And we do well together. But we bring with us the stuff of our lives, some of which is not the best. Some of the things that have happened over this past week. Maybe over this past week, we complained a little bit about other people. Or maybe over this past week, we posted some comments on Facebook that devalued or degraded other people for some reason. Or maybe this past week, we judged somebody else. There's lots of reasons why we judge people. 
because of their politics, because of their theology, because of their race, of their culture. There's lots of reasons why people judge other people. And when we come, we, we carry with us our opinions and our beliefs and our attitudes and the secret thoughts of our hearts. We bring it all with us. And I'm not trying to point any fingers here because I'm talking to myself. I mean, pointing fingers is exactly what I'm talking about. It's a way of playing the who's the greatest among us game, right? I mean, I think to myself, what if being a disciple means that when I leave this place today, I am to take communion with me and to share it with everyone I encounter throughout the week. Well, I know that I would encounter a whole lot of people that I'd be happy to commune with. But everyone, everyone, those people with whom I disagree with on a very, very fundamental level, people with whom I have a hard time finding a reason to trust. Jesus invites us to gather together for the Lord's Supper. But he's the host, and so he assigns us our seats. I often wonder, what seat would he give to me? What seat would he give to you? Would he seat you or me in the seat of honor at his right hand? You know, the seat of John, the beloved. Would he seat you or me at his left hand, that seat of honor, the seat of the betrayer? Would he seat you or me in the servant's seat, the seat of St. Peter? Or would he seat us in one of the other seats among the disciples who are struggling to understand, who are arguing over who's the greatest, who are pointing fingers at other people, who think too highly of themselves or maybe too lowly. Regardless of where he would seat us, he's invited us to the table and he invites us to come as we are, as we are, to come with a sense of honesty about ourselves, about who we are, and about our need for what he is offering, that grace and that mercy that he offers to us. At the appointed time in the dinner, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he gave it to them because he knew that they needed it. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he gave it to them. He gave it to us because he knew that we need it. But do you remember who the very first person was that Jesus served? The very first person to receive the bread representing his body broken for him? The very first person to receive the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins? 
The very first person to receive communion was the person we would say was least deserving of it. Because the first person to receive it was the person seated to Jesus' left, Judas, the betrayer. The one who had no desire to be in communion with Jesus. The one who had already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. I don't know if I could have served Judas. I don't know if I could have done that. How about you? Could you do that? But, but I know. I'm still practicing this. We're still practicing it. I'm still learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm still growing in my understanding of what it looks like to, to live a Christ-like life. But Jesus knows. He knows what it is. And so he invites us to his table. And he says to do this in remembrance of him, to keep practicing it. Keep practicing it until we get it. At the end of the meal, the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus prayed. He prayed a prayer, a long prayer. And that prayer was that we would be one. One people, united. We would be one. Not that we would be like each other. Not that we would think alike or believe alike or act alike. That is not the journey we are on. The journey we are on is a journey of love. And that's what he's praying for when he prays that we be one. That we love each other so much that our love for one another is more important to us than any way we might be different. And he's aware, he's aware of how easy it is that we can allow differences to start chipping away at that love. And as it starts to chip away at that love, before long, we start playing the who's the greater, who's the greatest game, or who's not as good as me game. Start pointing fingers, asking who's an insider, who's an outsider, who's welcome, who is not. And Jesus does not want us to play that game. He prays that we be united in love. And so we gather together this day to practice once again. We're doing pretty well. But we all know we can use a little bit more practice. Welcome to the party. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Desert Spring United Methodist Church. New sermons are posted weekly. Follow us to get updates and news from your church.